0: Following audio is for Emmanuel Baptist Church. More information about Emmanuel is available at our website, www.myemmanuel.net. Hey, it's great to see you this morning. We've had a wonderful morning. Uh, Pastor Trey Williams spoke at the 8 o'clock service. About why discipleship is our priority, Pastor Michael just spoke at nine thirty about why children are our priority, and I've asked Pastor Jim Tabor, our executive pastor, if he would talk about why service is our priority. I don't always do this. You've heard Pastor Jim speak for me on many occasions, but this morning I I wanted to give a more formal introduction, uh, Pastor Jim and his wife. Uh, Brandy have been with us for 12 years now on staff. Came from Corbin College, where he's a biblical degree there. Uh, They have two boys. Many of you were a part of that season of their life where we were praying and praying for Jeremy and Mason to come and join them. And they are now with them together as a family. Uh, Jim has uh, done everything I've ever asked him to do. He came as student pastor. And after a little while, I asked him if he would uh, start college ministry, and he did that. And after a little while, I asked him if he would lead uh, worship, and he did that. And now he serves as one of our executive pastors. He's presently working on his master's degree with Trinity Seminary. You know him; you've heard him preach. You know he's a great communicator. But affirm him this morning, will you? Do that, Pastor. Pastor. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's. I got to tell you, I love my church. Do you love your church? yeah, come on, I love my church, I love my church. I want you to know it has been a tremendous privilege for me to get to, uh, to listen to a lot of our pastors that you guys don't get to hear about a whole lot, speak the last couple of weeks on our priorities. Really exciting, and I want you to know, I know this isn't a part of the message, but I want you to know this morning, we have amazing pastors on our, in our team. That should be a strong amen, by the way. If you don't know them, get to know them. Call them and say, I don't know you. Let me buy you lunch this week. They are tremendous men of God, passionate about the gospel, passionate about their area of, of service and leadership. And I want you to know God has got a really, really incredible team assembled for his glory, and we're really, really grateful for that. So it's been a blessing. If you've missed it online, don't forget to go to our website, check them out, listen to those that you've missed. You will be blessed I promise that you will. Uh, as for today, we're going to talk about our priority of service. We've talked about children, we've talked about unity, we've talked about life groups, we've talked generations, all kinds of things. So we're going to get into that. Now, before we, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little, a little thing about my wife you may not know. My wife likes the home improvement shows, kind of like Fixer Upper, the flipping type shows. You ever watch those? Any fans in the house of those type things? Right. I will admit to you, I kind of like them as well, Uh, although it reminds me uh, that I'm just not a very good contractor. I always think, I wish that I could do the things that they do on the weekends with a smile on their face. You know what I'm talking about? I I can get the the project accomplished, but you may not want to be around me. But uh, what I've learned about these home improvement shows is that the, the, the way that they go through them and they walk you through, but you never get to see the big reveal until the end, right? They walk in the door, and it's always the, oh my goodness, you know, and they get so excited and jazzed up about that. Have you ever practiced that, by the way? Have you ever thought about what you would say? I kind of want to be the guy that walks in the door and just kind of goes, (laughs) meh. You think that would work okay? I don't know, probably not. Well, in the risk of breaking Hollywood protocol, as it pertains to our priority of service, I'm going to tell you this morning, I'm going to give away the big reveal as my very first point that we're going to lay our groundwork on. Why are we the way that we are? Our priorities shape us because we focus on the most important things. And the blessing of being a part of these last few sermons have been for us to be able to remind ourselves, and perhaps for some of you maybe learn, what are the priorities of Emmanuel that shape our life, our time, our staffing, our budget, our direction? And one of the top priorities for us here at Emanuel is service. So why is serving such a priority? We're different. I'll tell you right now out of the box. If you're new to Emmanuel, I want to tell you right away, we're very different than a lot of other churches. We are not content with you coming and sitting in a chair for an hour and leaving for a long time. Now, not because we don't respect your spiritual journey. We do, but because we believe significantly that serving God and participating is God's heart okay? It's God's heart. It's God's vision. It's God's idea. And we're going to talk about why it's a priority. So point number one, why in the world do we prioritize service? Because God served us. Everybody say amen. Think about it for just a minute, will you? God served us. God served us. Why do we promote service? Why do we prioritize service? Why, do we, uh, why are we unashamed about saying to each and every one of you, hey, let's get involved, get in the game. It's exciting. Why? Because we have the example of God serving us. Let's take a look at our Old Testament. God provided in the very, very beginning for Adam and Eve in the garden. They walked around with God. God provided all the food and all the nourishment that they need. Of course, sin broke that, and then they had to work. But we see God providing in beautiful ways, bringing the nation of Israel out of slavery, providing bread and manna and quail in the wilderness. We see God providing and serving his people by bringing them out of Egypt. We see God providing for his people in areas like Daniel being saved out of the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, some of these great stories we like to tell our children of Christ being in the furnace with, with the gentleman. We see God continually through the prophets, through miracle, through provision, providing for them. Exodus 19 reminds us of God's covenant with his people. It says, I will be your God and you will be my people. God has always been a providing, serving God. He's always done that. That's the Old Testament example. And the greatest example of God serving us is by sending his son, Jesus. So not only in the Old Testament did we see God the Father providing for his people, serving for his people, interceding for his people, we see Jesus doing the very same thing. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28 says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And his service meant that he gave his life as a ransom for many. Jesus served. Grab your Bibles with me. Let's turn and read in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, probably one of the best descriptions of Jesus' life here in Philippians chapter 2. But it's in this idea that Jesus came to serve, he puts it so perfectly in Philippians 2, beginning together in verse 3. Of course, Paul is uh, encouraging the Philippians to to be in unity and all these things, and to complete his joy. And then he reminds them how they ought to be in unity. Uh, And then he says in verse 3, he says, do nothing from rivalry or uh, conceit. But in humility, we're to count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he, that is Jesus, was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. But Jesus made himself nothing... I want you to say it together with me. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above all name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So why is serving our priority? Because God served us. Jesus, the word says in John chapter 1, became flesh. Christ stepped out of heaven in this perfect relationship next to the Father. He came down to earth to be with a people knowing how we would respond to him. And he served us. He became a servant. The King of kings came to serve us. The creator of the universe came to serve us us, came to serve you, came to serve me. He became such a servant that he was willing to die on a cross to serve us. John chapter 13, verses 12 to 17, remind us this story of Jesus kneeling down and taking a part of his wardrobe, and he washed the disciples' feet. Of course, they were very confused by why he would do this and why in the world would Jesus, the King of Kings, the Messiah, choose to do this? And he shows them how to serve, and he tells them after he gets done serving them, now go and do likewise. Go and do the exact same thing that I've just done for you. Stop and think about that for just a minute. That Jesus Christ would come the one who looked and decided, I'm going to form the earth in this way, and I'm going to create it, and I'm going to make my people. I'm going to form them into perfectly, intricately well. The one that we are called to worship, the one that we are called to adore, he came down to show us service. Humble, dirty service. He continues to serve us today, does he not? he continues to serve us. The Bible tells that this tells us that when we give our lives to Christ, he gives us his indwelling Holy Spirit. He says, "I'm going to send the Holy Spirit." And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is a comforter for us. He's a mediator for us. He leads us and guides us and directs us. The scripture still tells us that all things are held together by him. He continues to serve every day of our lives us. Let's look at how he serves us daily. Are you reminded that your food, your clothing, your homes, your jobs, your family, your friends, your enjoyment, your forgiveness, your grace, your mercy, the scriptures, you ever stop and think about this? There's over 4,000 people in the world that don't have this in their language. God gave it to us today. He gave that to us. He gives us comfort. He gives us peace. Have I made the point? that Jesus serves us. Everybody say amen to that, will you? Jesus serves us. Why is serving our priority? Because Christ serves us. James 1:17 reminds us that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above from the Father of lights. So we serve because God served us. He laid out the example, but also it's gratitude. I'm a firm believer with all of my heart that if we understand and receive the gospel of Jesus, we receive forgiveness and regeneration, there's really only one accurate right response, and that is to give it back to him. How do we give back our salvation, our gratitude? How do we show Jesus that that we're grateful for that salvation? We serve. We serve. We give We give our life back to him. It's the only right response. We can't worship without serving. Let's let's do that for just a minute. We think, well, I love to worship God, but I don't have time to serve God. You can't worship God unless you serve God. And serving God is worshiping God. Does that make sense? We have to connect our salvation to our application. Too often we sit back and we love what God has done for us here, but we never let it go here. And we believe that that's not a right, healthy response to God, that we ought to give back and serve. Next, second reason why we serve is because it changes me. Serving changes me. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Our, one of our great classic, like, I don't know if we coined it in America or where it came from, but um, we always like to ask the question, what's in it for me? Right? I mean, it's just, it's just part of who we are part of who we are so let's answer the question what's in it for me to serve well here's the first part it causes me to grow in ways that i never could apart from serving it causes us to grow in ways that we never would apart from serving i believe that you want to grow i believe that to be true right i believe that to be true because you do things in your life to grow Sometimes you read and you try to educate yourself on certain subjects. Sometimes you patronize certain places like gyms because you want to shed a few pounds. You want to be a little bit healthier. You want to get better at your yard. You want to get better at your home. You want to get better as a husband or wife or a child or a student. We generally, as humans, kind of want to move forward. We want to grow in these ways. And I am hoping and trusting this morning that, that you want to grow spiritually spiritually. Well, we believe in Emmanuel with all of our heart that the way, one of the crucial ways that we grow spiritually is by serving. Friends, listen, it is possible—someone's going to throw a tomato at me—it um, is possible to spend a little bit too much time taking uh, uh, input, Bible studies, knowledge, and, and not serving, not getting back out and applying it. Understand that knowledge of God's Word is always meant to be applied, Amen? And it's always meant to be applied, okay? So serving helps us to grow in ways that we couldn't apart from it. Serving teaches me to think of others before myself. Serving teaches me that I'm not more important than the greater cause of Christ. That's what it teaches me. It teaches me that my conduct impacts other people. It me that my, uh, rather, it teaches me discipline and commitment. Serving matters. Serving gives me the opportunity to rise to the challenge. Serving gives me the opportunity to be an important part of something eternal. Isn't that exciting? Serving teaches me that my life matters to God and that I am a vitally important part of his kingdom purposes. Serving refines me, it shapes me, it changes me in ways that when I sit back, it never does. Simply put, serving fosters spiritual maturity. The other impact that changes us, and I believe this again with all my heart, Serving has a tremendous impact on depression and anxiety. It really does. You might be going, hey, I don't think I read that in the counseling journal this week. Serving is a tremendous remedy to depression and anxiety. Because oftentimes, not all the time, hear me, but oftentimes our depression and anxiety can come as a result of intense selfishness. Sometimes I focus so much on me, 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 all the time that I'm so focused on everybody else is out to get me and nothing in my life is for me and nothing is working out the way that it should go for me and I don't like what that person did because it impacted me and this is my preference and my thought and if we're not careful, the whole world of ours revolves around me and we wonder why we don't want to do anything. We're never in the mood we're just a little bit depressed. We're a little bit anxious. We're a little bit stressed out. And, I, and so often it's because my world revolves around me. My schedule's mine. Every hour in the week is mine. Every dollar that I have is mine. Everything is mine. And that produces this incredible depression and anxiety. Serving reminds me that it's not about me. Serving reminds me that my life is to be poured out. Three times in the New Testament, three times in the New Testament, it says that Jesus was poured out like a drink offering. Think about that. When you take like a jug and you pour it out, you lose lose that quickly. It doesn't like sip, you know, like you pour it out. Three times it reminds us that Jesus was poured out like a drink offering. When we allow ourselves to be poured out like a drink offering, guess who refills you? Christ. Christ. He changes our life. Suddenly, our problems become a little smaller than they were the day before. Suddenly, we realize that maybe some of the problem in my life is because of me. Sometimes, we have to realize that the hard way. Serving really, really does help to do that. What else does it do for me? It protects me from becoming a spiritual consumer. It protects me from being a spiritual consumer. Remember what our word just says. He says, in humility, count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look just to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. We sometimes think into being a spiritual consumer. So back during the American Revolution, as the story goes, there was a man riding a horse, and he was wearing civilian clothes. And he rode by, and he sees a group of soldiers <coughs> excuse me, that were trying to fix a defensive barrier. And they were exhausted, and they were tired, and they were sweaty. And this man noticed as he rode by that the leader of these troops was barking orders, barking orders, but made really no attempt to get involved in help. So this civilian man slows his horse down and begins to watch the situation. And so he finally gets off of the horse and he goes to the leader and he said, sir, I've I've noticed you're not helping. Why, Why are you not helping? And the man says rather proudly to him, well, sir, I'm the corporal. Hmm, Okay. So, the, the man in civilian clothes takes that and he decides to walk over to the men and he helps them to fortify this defensive barrier. These tired and exhausted and sweaty men finally get a help from a person in civilian clothes and he goes and, and, and helps them. And upon the completion of the project, the man looks over at the corporal and he says, um, Excuse me, Mr. Corporal, I just want you to know that the next time that you have this much work and not enough men to do it, you can, you can call the commander in chief. And I will come back and help you again. Of course, this is the story of George Washington. Can you imagine being that corporal? Don't think I'd want to go back to work that next day. Isn't that a beautiful model? None of us are above serving. None of us are above getting our hands dirty. He didn't sit back and and just sort of watch the scene. He got involved. And dare I say this morning that too often in church life, we are a little bit like the leader. We don't want to get sweaty. We don't want to get involved. We have a lot of opinions about how we think it ought to be done, but we're not on the other side of the workforce, are we? And too often in church, we we do. We tend to voice our thoughts and our opinions about how everybody should do their stuff. While we're not sweaty, we haven't been involved. What if all of us had the same idea of George Washington, thought none of us are above serving, none of us are above getting involved. None of us are above pitching in where it's necessary and making the project finish to completion. Serving combats all of these sinful attitudes. Serving actually creates ownership in the mission. You want to get fired up about a mission? Get involved in making that mission happen. Don't be a part of the statistic. I think the statistic, it's, it's not a real statistic. It's just been said forever and ever, sadly, because it's true. And it's the 90, the, the 1090 principle in church life. Have you ever heard it before? Rather, I'm sorry, the, the 90, the, uh, yeah, the 1090, uh, uh, I, can I speak this morning? Can I try talking again? You ever do that? The 1090 principle, 90% of the church, or rather 10% of the church does 90% of the work. of the church does 90% of the work. Because I love you, I want to be honest with you this morning, it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. 10% of the church does 90% of the work. Man, it'd be great if we even did like 50% of the church. Wouldn't that be great? My point is this, there's opportunity for each and every one of us to get involved in the greater mission. How else does it impact us? It's simple, but I want to put it in here because it's fun and it gives me joy. Did you know that serving the Lord is actually quite gratifying? It's really exciting. It's fun. It really is fun. You're not nodding your heads. Why are you not nodding your heads? Nod your heads. If you're not nodding your heads, I'm going to help you find a place to serve so you can discover how much fun it is. Okay? It is. It's it's fun and it's exciting. So we serve because God served us. We serve because it changes me. And lastly this morning, we serve because it makes God's church stronger. We serve because it makes God's church stronger. Turn with me to uh, Ephesians chapter 4, if you would. Just turn back in your Bible just a couple of pages. Ephesians chapter 4. I think uh, Michael read some from Ephesians 4 the last hour. Pastor Steve last Sunday taught some out of Ephesians 4. Apparently God wants us to learn Ephesians 4 today in this season of our church. But not only does it change us, not only is there a motive behind why we do it, but there's a greater purpose, a greater mission to why we do what we do, and we believe in that. So beginning in Ephesians chapter 4, let's pick it up in verse 4. Paul reminds the church at Ephesus, he says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. Okay? so all of us were called. All of us sitting here today, we are a part of a greater, singular, focused mission. Okay, that's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Does God serve us? Yes, He is in all and through all. We are called to this greater church. Of course, Pastor Steve was talking uh, beautifully about unity that day. In verse seven. He says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Okay? Speaking of God gives different gifts, he's called us to different things. Okay? Jump to verse 11. Now, he says in verse 11, now he gave the apostles, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, and shepherds, and teachers. Okay? He said some, not all. He gave some, simply put, to, to the call of leadership in his church. He's called some to do that. doesn't mean that it's a greater call. I would actually submit to you today that the calling as leading of the church is, is, is not a lesser call, but it's a humble call. Did you know that my call before Jesus is to be a bondservant to him? That, that's actually my call before you as a bondservant. I'm actually a slave to Christ, and that means I get to be a bondservant to you. That's, that's, that's my calling, and that's a pretty great calling. Okay? So he calls some to that to do what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves carried about by every wind of doctrine or by human cunning or by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're supposed to grow up in every way into him who is the head, that is, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So how is it that serving makes God's church stronger? Let's talk about it. Let's see what the word says this morning. First, in our list in the scriptures, it builds up the body of Christ. Builds up the body of Christ. Verse 12, equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Uh, I I am unashamed to tell you, I'm unashamed to tell you this morning that one of our primary calls as leaders and shepherds in the church is to help you do ministry. The hard part about growing as a larger ministry is it can, easy, it, it can become easy to shift into the mindset that you pay the staff to do the work. That's actually not a biblical model. Our job is to help you do the work as well. Now, it's, it's not that we help you do the work and we sit back on the couch, but you know what it is? It's like the George Washington model. We equip and train and help you to do the work so that we can do it shoulder to shoulder alongside of it together as a family. Amen? That's how we're called to serve. He says when we do that... We're actually building up the body of Christ. Now, what is the opposite of building something up? Tearing it down. Tearing it down. Tearing it down. Obviously, God doesn't want our churches to be torn down. Uh, Pastor Steve Fowler just gave a statistic uh, last week and reminded us that in the United States of America, nearly 4,000 churches a year will close their doors. I think that's the definition of tearing down, is it not? Almost 4,000 churches, friends, are closing their doors, putting a for sale sign, and hoping a shop will come in and remodel a church building to carry inventory to make money. How did that church get torn down? They forgot the mission, they forgot what they're there for. At some point in time, whether we like it or not, at some point in time, folks decided, I'm too busy. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't like what's happening. Maybe maybe the mission changed. Maybe the theology changed. But at some point, the church quit doing it. They quit being a part of it. We are called to build up the body. When you choose to serve, you are an important brick in the foundation that builds the body of Christ. A very, very important brick. Next, uh, we serve and it attains unity. It says that we build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith. Until, meaning it doesn't happen immediately, it takes time. Until we all, meaning everybody participating together, attains to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God. When you serve, you protect the unity of God's church. Because we're all mindful that we're doing it for Jesus, because he served us. So we are actually a part of the mission there. Next, is to do it to grow in spiritual maturity. Maturity says we grow to this, uh, uh, to the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Do you know God wants you to grow in your faith? We talked about that a few weeks ago, didn't we? That God wants you to grow. God so desires you to grow in spiritual maturity, to grow to be more like Christ, the Bible says. By the way, this mature manhood doesn't mean that ladies, doesn't mean they're off the hook here. He wants us to grow as men and women, to grow and love him. Next, we protect the church from false doctrine when we're involved. We protect the church. Look what it says, continuing on, verse 14. So that we may no longer be children. Part of the ways that we grow out of our childhood is spiritually used to serve. He says, so that we may not be children tossed to and fro by the waves It's a real unstable word picture, isn't it? Carried about by every wind of doctrine. So you've got waves blowing. You've got wind blowing. That is different winds of doctrine, what seems to be cool at the time. In human cunning and by craftiness in deceitful schemes. That is a pretty big verse of description of saying what God protects his church from. We're not tossed by the waves. We're not blown around. We don't fall to human cunning. We don't fall to human craftiness. We don't fall to deceitful schemes. How are we remaining protected? When you and I get involved to serve. Isn't that interesting? Have you ever thought about it that way? Sometimes we think, ah, just serving. I just pitch in for an hour. Pastor Michael just talked about serving in children for an hour a week. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. We get involved and we serve. Even if it's maybe an hour a week, some involvement of giving of your life for the cause of Christ, for the body of Christ, you protect the doctrine of God's church. Because, again, serving keeps us mindful of Jesus and of the mission, and it keeps us focused. Keeps Christ as the head of the church. Keeps Christ as the head of the church. He says in verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way, grow up into every way, into him who is the head of the church. That is Christ. Did you know that Jesus is actually the lead, lead pastor here? Do you know that? this means yes, this means no, okay, right, yeah. Yeah, Jesus is what rules our church. We seek him, we pray to him, we ask for his wisdom. We give him all the glory, all the honor, and the praise. Serving keeps Christ at the head of the church, because we're reminded that I'm not the head of the church. I'm the feet, and the elbow, and the pinky, and the eyeball, and the nose. We've got to pitch in together to do that. Let's continue moving forward. We maintain the support system for other people. Verse 16, the whole body... That's you and me, by the way, the whole body. We're joined and we're held together when every joint, that's you, you're the joint, with, with, by every joint with which it's equipped. Equipped is mean ready to serve, ready to do something. When each part is working properly. When we serve, we maintain a really strong support system of the church. Because you are the church. So guess what? You get to experience the support system of that. Oftentimes in ministry, the people who we lean on the most in our difficult times are the people we serve shoulder to shoulder with and get involved with. Lastly, we build a church that's grounded in real love. It says that the body grows so that the body builds itself up in love. We, understand the context, we have to build ourselves up in love. doesn't mean that God doesn't do that work. He does. But he doesn't do it apart from our willingness to be involved. Does that make sense? We need to be willing to be involved, to serve, to give our life for the kingdom and for the cause of Christ so that it builds itself up in a real love. Serving really does make God's church stronger. It really does. And so the opposite is true. I would be remiss if I didn't tell you this. That also means that when we don't serve, we're not as strong as we could be. We're not as strong as we could be. See, I, I'm kind of a person, those that know me well know that I, I tend to get fairly excited about a few things in my life. I just, I don't know how else to be. I, I don't know how else to be. And one of the most exciting things in my life that, that, that I get just so passionate about that I even have to be careful that I don't overspeak, shocker, Jim Tabor overspeaks, um, you, that, was, that was a joke, it's okay, I know, I know I talk too much, but I get so excited, I mean, just, just to the rafters excited when I begin to think and dream and pray about what God could do through a place like Emmanuel oh man I'm telling you I'll stay awake at night thinking about it I get up in the morning thinking about it I I read books on it I pray it over man I think to myself man God how we could see your glory if we would get involved and now God does great things here don't misunderstand me I'm not saying we're in a bad place we're in a great place but there's always room for more great, right? There's always room for more. And the last time I checked, there's, there's, there's 100,000 people that are not in here today. So I think, man, what, what could we allow God freedom to do in our church if we'll be willing to get involved in the mission, if we'll be willing to say, count me in, where is my seat on the bus? Put me where you need me. Put me where I can serve and make a difference. Let's do this together. I get really excited about what God could do with a really great church like Emmanuel. Do you get that excited? I hope that you do. I hope that you do. So this morning, I just want to ask a simple question the last part of your notes. I want you to ask this question of yourself as I ask it of me. How am I making God's church stronger? How am I making God's church stronger? God wants to make a really, really great thing out of his church. Worldwide, by the way. But I got to stop and think about what that means for me. How do I get involved and make God's church stronger? What's my responsibility? What's my part? Should, is serving a priority of Emmanuel? Yes. If you be here long enough, I dearly hope that someone will ask you to serve. And we'll do it with a smile. And that's okay to say no, because we want you to be where God wants you to be. In fact, I'll just say this quickly as we come to our time of close, but I want you to know, this is a safe place for you to try out ministry. It's very important that you know that. Michael talked about at the last service. Sometimes we don't serve because we think if we say yes, we'll be there until Jesus comes back or the retirement home calls us, right? No, this is a great place to come and try. So all of our pastors and directors and ministry leaders are are, are in like accord here. You come and get involved and give it a shot. And if you don't like it and it doesn't fit what God's wired you to do, then say something and we will help you find that thing that you're passionate about. We want you to love to serve, We want you to love what you do. So if you don't love what you're doing because you don't feel like it's how God has uniquely wired you, let's try another ministry. You may not love the children as much as some of the children's workers do, but you might love the teenagers. You might really love the 20-somethings. You might really love to find a place to serve behind the scenes. You might really love to just shake hands and have a smile and say, we're so glad that you're in church today. There may be a ton of other ways for you to serve. And by the way, I promise each and every one of you, we have dozens of ways to serve that you probably didn't even know about. Get involved. How am I making the church stronger? Where do I begin? Certainly we can start serving the church right away. We can come to one of the pastors, talk about kind of how to do that. But I want to say this, serving begins right where you are today. So if you're not serving your family, serve your family. If you're not serving your kids, serve your kids. If you're not serving your spouse, practice serving your spouse. If you're not serving at the workplace, start serving at the workplace. If you're not serving your extended uh, neighbors, serve your, your neighbors. Serve the people that are around you. Serve those around you. We need to be people who have a lifestyle of service for the cause of Christ. Let's bow our prayer and pray as we close our time this morning. Father, we, uh, we really do acknowledge this morning that we, we serve because you've served us. When you sent Jesus, he laid his life down for us wholly and freely. And then as he lived here, Father, he showed us how to serve one another with things as disgusting as washing one another's feet. And then he tells us to go and do likewise. So God, I pray that today we would make a commitment to go and do likewise. That as we prioritize service here at Emmanuel, that we would do so simply because we love you and we want to live like you. So we pray to you, be the honor and the glory in it, Father, as we pursue being a church who loves to serve you. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jim. What a great word for us. What a great exposition of Ephesians chapter four about how God intends for us to grow. And so many times over the years, I talked to folks who study their Bible, study their Bible, study their Bible, but they never grow because they don't understand that God intends for us to apply the Bible.
1: Thank you for listening to audio from Emmanuel Baptist Church located in Billings, Montana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others. But please do not charge for those copies